So is everyone enjoying the weather? I'm not going to ask Art because he wants us to be 96 degrees. <laughs> now, a lot of people that I work with love that because that just means money to them. I work in the HVAC field. But I don't really like to fry out in the sun. Um, the other day, I was bird watching. I think that was like last Tuesday. Um, actually, I was doing maintenance on an air conditioner, but I got distracted. And I saw around eight hummingbirds. And I just thought, man, those things are so amazing. I mean, you can't even see. Their wings are moving so fast. You can't even tell, like, that they barely have wings. In fact, if you were to slow it down in slow motion, it's like a W shape. But um, they're some of the most amazing creatures to watch. And I thought about it. I was like, huh, I hope God looks down at us and we bring him enjoyment like that. Like those hummingbirds that I saw. And we know God sometimes does this. He looks down at us and he's impressed with his creation. Um, one moment that that comes in mind is in Job. And God was in front of the angels and Satan came to him. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth. He is blameless and upright a man who fears God and shuns evil. That's how I want God to look at me. I want him to say, look at my child Dan. He's blameless and upright. Now, by all means, I don't want to go through what Job went through, but I, I definitely like that blameless part. And I also want him to look at this church and say, Heartland is blameless and upright. But if a church is to be blameless and upright, we do need to know how to deal with sin. Uh, before we get started, let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. I just pray that you help us be blameless and upright. That you would give us the power to do this and that you would Bless me as I speak your words and help motivate us to try to live the ways that you have showed us every single day in our lives. Amen. So in God's word, Jesus instructs us how to deal with sin in the church. So we find this in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. And when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. When we sin, it means that we make an error or miss the mark, whether it's intentional or not. When we sin, we, we miss what God has planned for us or veer off course, lined up with God's instructions. The first thing I want to address is what to do if someone in the church sins against you. Number one, take time to analyze whether the offender is really sinning. 
If it was something said, ask yourself, did I hear it right? Ask yourself, am I being oversensitive? Do I have all the information needed to conclude that this is an offense? Ask yourself, am I holding this person to a higher standard than I hold myself? When I was about 18 years old, I worked at Wendy's, and I just got paid, and my paycheck went missing. It was so long ago, I don't remember all the circumstances. I just knew that this dude stole my check. I knew without a doubt that he stole it, and I'm pretty sure I talked to some of the people behind his back about this matter. Then one day, I was looking for something in my glove box, and I found that missing check. I don't know that I could have had a clearer sign that I needed an attitude adjustment. So learn from my mistakes and try to be slow to speak and quick to listen. What to do if someone in the church sins against you? Number two, point the sin out. As Jesus says in the verse we just read in Matthew 18, point out the sin with just you and them. If the offense is between a male and a female, I do recommend that you bring someone else along with you. But, um, you know, somebody who walks in the Spirit, not just someone who's a random person. Um, but otherwise, it's supposed to be handled between just you and that person. We have to be careful about saying too much to others, as it says in Proverbs twenty nineteen. A gossip betrays confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. We don't want to betray each other's confidence. So we should be able to come to each other and talk without the worry that someone is going to spread info about you out of either anger or entertainment. We are to start a dialogue. Maybe the offender didn't understand that they were being offensive. Maybe they needed to be reminded of the consequences of sin. Our number one goal shouldn't be to confront someone so that we can feel better. Our number one goal is to bring that person back if they have fallen away. Bring that person back in a brother-sister relationship like in Christ and possibly bring them back to Christ. God shares his heart on those who wander away in Matthew 18, 12 through 14. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. God doesn't want any of his sheep to leave. God doesn't want any sheep to walk in sin instead of walking with the shepherd. As Christians, we don't want anyone to go astray. So when talking to other sheep, we don't point out their sin to make them feel bad but we do point out sin to bring them back. The prospect of bringing a brother or sister to repentance outweighs our feelings. What to do if, um, if someone in the church sins against you? Number three, be a peacemaker. In my family, pretty much all the Simpson boys have ADD. 
that is just one of the marks that identifies the boys that are Simpson in my household. Well, not just in mine, but my brothers and so on. But the same goes with being a peacemaker and a child of God. As it says in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. As the children of God, we are instructed to be gentle, not responding in anger when we have been wronged. Think of the worst time that you have ever been wronged. Maybe somebody stole something from you, or you got sucker punched, or maybe a bad breakup. Now I'm going to one-up you. Jesus got nailed to the cross. How did he respond? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This wasn't a situation where Jesus was forgiving a child of God, but it is a great example on how we can respond when we are hurt and are still hurting. We should respond with gentle words, as it says in Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When we point out sin, we are to be gentle. This isn't court where you have to make an offensive person look like a villain. This is supposed to be one of God's children. Even if your own child goes astray or does something wrong, you still love them. And if someone mistreats them, you're not going to be happy. The same way we should be gentle and not harsh with one of God's children. What to do if someone in the church sins against you? Number four, forgive. As it says in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you, or just as in Christ God forgave you. As peacemakers, we should throw out anger and all that other stuff so we can be compassionate. And out of compassion, we forgive each other, just like Christ forgave us. I know for me, when my dad cheated on my mom, I absolutely hated him. He got remarried on Christmas Eve, and I didn't think I could ever, 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 ever forgive him because he hurt my mom so much. That was right around the time when I started to give my life over to Christ. And out of the three brothers, I was the biggest grudge holder. But when I started to learn about Jesus and his forgiveness, it encouraged me. And I knew if Christ could forgive me, I could forgive him. We can't control what others do, but we can control whether we forgive. Jesus warns us also about not forgiving. And this is found in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We should expect our sins to remain if we don't forgive others. If we expect them to be punished for their sins, we also should expect God to punish us. We can't expect our brothers and sisters to pay for their sins 
when they repent and try to make it right. We are commanded to forgive. And God takes this seriously. He sent his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. What message are we sending to God if we want someone Jesus died for to pay for their sins when they repent? Peter brings up a pretty good question. Naturally, you think, I can't keep forgiving the same person over and over. So, I need to know when I can cut them off. So, Peter asked Jesus, um, and this is found in Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And I don't know if he just asked this because somebody was on their number six or what, but Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, I don't think Jesus is telling you to put on your iPad or your iPhone how many times uh, somebody sins against you, but I think this is a comparison to an Old Testament scripture. And this is found in Genesis 4, 23 through 24. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, if you're thinking about baby names, there you go right there. <laughs> wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. And if that's what Jesus is referring to, he's saying we go way farther than just forgiving. Lamech went farther than just revenge. He killed someone for injuring him. That is something to keep in mind. You don't have to just forgive. You can go farther than that. You can lift people up and encourage them and build them up. What to do if someone sins against, uh, in the church sins against you? Number five, encourage. Explain to somebody who is a offender that God is a God of reconciliation. Setbacks sometimes make us go harder for him. They can humble us, and God gives grace to the humble. There is nothing to be ashamed about when someone confesses their sins. That's a part of the healing process. What to do if someone in the church sins against you? Number six, it says bring reinforcements. Being realistic, sometimes people aren't going to repent, even and if they refuse to listen, we're supposed to bring one or two witnesses. And then if they still refuse to listen, we are supposed to tell the church. And if they still don't listen, we are told to treat them as a tax collector or pagan. And if you remember my sermon on unity, that means nobody hangs out or eats with those people without trying to convert them. You don't, you don't, they're not like your closest friends, as it says in the verses. A couple things to note, if the sin isn't against you, you are supposed to have someone who is spiritual to restore them, as it says in Galatians 6.1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. If you want to know what Paul is talking about, those who live in the Spirit, you're going to have to go to the chapter before that in Galatians 5, and it will explain that. 
And then I kind of covered walking in the Spirit. I think that was last week or the week before. So um, I won't go over that today, but you can just go back and I think listen to last week's message. Also, it's different if you're dealing with an elder. Um, it says in 1 Timothy 5, 19 through 20, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to be reproved before everyone so that the others may take warning. You may be able to have a conversation with an elder but, and try to talk things out, but you can't just go and bring a charge against them without witnesses, according to what Peter just said, or Paul, Paul just said. Those are things to keep in mind, and hopefully we won't ever have to deal with that. So let's switch gears and talk about what if you are the offender? What to do if you sinned against someone else? Number one, repent. If you are the one sinning, don't try to hide it. Don't wait till someone approaches you. Bring it to light, as it says in Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins do not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So find mercy by renouncing your sins. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Hopefully, whoever you sinned against will forgive you just like Jesus instructed, because that's what we are supposed to do as Christians. This brings us to our next point. What to do if you sinned against someone? Number two, Ask for forgiveness. After you have repented and owned up to what you did was wrong, uh, ask for forgiveness. That is what brings reconciliation. It's when both parties say none of that stuff in the past matters. We will use that, our mistakes for learning and we will move forward. What to do if you sinned against someone? Number three, forgive them. Sometimes both parties get heated and both need to ask for forgiveness. And just because someone forgave you doesn't mean that you're off the hook for forgiving them. Make sure even if you are hurt, you pause and examine if you have contributed in any way to the conflict. With all that being said, the best scenario is to avoid sinning against each other. So how to avoid sinning against each other? Number one. Let the peace of God rule in your heart, as it says in Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. You have to commit to having the peace of God in your heart. And when that rules, your heart is forbidden to allow a divisive heart to rule. You have to have your mind made up, and you have to be Determine that you're going to do things that lead to peace, even when sometimes you're tempted not to. How to avoid sinning against each other. Number two, control your tongue. As it talks about in James uh, 3, 9 through 12. With the tongue, we praise the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praises and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
When we say nasty things to our brothers and sisters, we are putting down God's creation, people made in his image. I would guess most of the fights in churches have either started by things that people said or have been intensified by things that people have said. If we don't try to tame our tongues, our Christianity is worthless, as it says in James 1.26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. How to avoid sinning against each other. Number three, don't be selfish. And this is found in Philippians 2.3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. When we aren't selfish, it's easier to cut people slack. It's harder to offend your brothers and sisters if you are too busy doing good to them. And in closing, I want to finish with one last verse that sums up everything. This is found in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandments in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So let's love God and each other by laying our ambitions down to take care of each other. Before we conclude the sermon, I would like to pray for you guys. Then I'm going to speak a blessing over you. And then at the end of the service, we're going to have the worship team come up and they will play one last song. And as they're playing... You will have an opportunity to either come up here and get prayer, or you can pray on your own, or just sit here and listen to the worship music. And with that in mind, as it says in James 14, well, starting in 14, if any among you are sick, let them call on the elders of the church and pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for loving us and showing us the way to love each other. I just pray that you fill us up with your spirit throughout the week, that the things that you've taught us, the words that have remained forever and ever, this many years after you left the earth would remain in our hearts and that we would listen to them and that we would try not to sin against each other and we would love each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.